And then I remember I was in New York City and uh, giving a talk, and my, my editor said, well, here's the subtitle, The Power of Boundless Compassion. And I remember I emailed her in the middle of the night. I said, I can't sleep. I hate the subtitle. It sounds like I have accomplished some kind of boundless compassion. And she just wrote back, relax. <laughs> and so I did, and I think it's okay, so I don't know. Well, it's okay, okay, also okay for the rest of us to, to attribute that to you. Well, I mean, that's actually not okay. I, I, want, oh, I, wanted to, I wanted to be an invitation for people, probably, and that's why I kind of said I didn't fight her anymore. I thought I, I give up, which is what you do in the publishing business, I discover. You just sort of give up a lot of the time. You go, you win. You choose your battles and that kind of thing. So, Let's get to some of these stories. I... Um for want of a way of organizing a, an interview of this kind, I just want to let this man talk. I wrote down some phrases that particularly struck me as I was reading. And one of them was this, um, to walk her home was to endanger both their lives. What's the story that's associated with that? Uh, that was a kid named Speedy who, uh, who had given up. He didn't want to live. I remember once he had... Uh, he had earlier the night of the story. He had came and uh, I was getting. I was late for mass. I was suiting up, as we say, and putting on my album stuff. And and he walks in and he says, "You know, I just don't care whether I live or die." You know. And I'm thinking, "Gosh, I'm already late for mass." I said, "You know, son, um, it's going to have to do that. You know that I care whether you live or die." And and he kind of said, "Okay," and then he uh, um, later on that night. And this was a kid who was sort of evil Knievel of gang members. He would always go into enemy's territory and sort of do neener, neener, neener. And, and then he'd race home, you know, back to his barrio to safety. And I used to just get red in the face and use language that my mother never taught me with this guy. You know? and, and, but he just didn't care, which is really sort of the, sort of the issue. You know, people, um, a lot of our draconian sentencing and laws are really meant for gang members who care. But... Um, this is about a lethal absence of hope, and so gang members don't really care, and so a lot of what we try to do, three strikes, two strikes, one strike, only works if you care. So this kid had sort of given up. So later on that night, I'm in my office, and, and uh, the front door is open. He walks in, and he says, don't get mad at what I'm about to tell you, and, and he proceeded to tell me that he had walked this, this girl home, but she lived in his enemy's worst neighborhood. And so... Um, but as he tells the story, he uh, deposits her in the projects, and, and then he encounters 10 guys from this gang, and um, they chase him, and uh, you know they throw bottles at him and sticks and stones, and um, they didn't have a gun, which was sort of a miracle, and they don't call him Speedy for nothing. So he got out of there, and as he's rounding the bend to near a relative safety, he ends up seeing this woman named Yolanda, and she stops him, and she knows that he shouldn't be where he currently is, and and says uh, in Spanish, you know, mijo, ¿qué está haciendo aquí? And, and, uh, and he just hangs his head in shame. And then she proceeds to say, you know, I've seen you play with your nephew in the park. What a good uncle you are. And I've seen you feed the homeless man at Dolores Mission Church. What a generous thing. And then she says to this kid who's perfectly a stranger to her, really, if anything happened to you, it would break my heart in two. Now, bete. And he leaves. And he comes to me in my office. He tells me that story. Then he looks at me after having told it to me. 
And he says, you know, that shit made me feel good. <laughs> and then for the rest of the story, I talk about how he, you know, was a kid who totally transformed his life. In fact, I just saw him last night. Uh, anyway. Here's another phrase that I had the same effect on me, and um, it, of course, involves a story uh, as well. When they were found, I found that I knew them, and it was excruciating not to be able to hate them. Uh, this was the story of a kid named Betito. In, in, uh, in the book, Simon and Schuster had me sh change all the names, you know, so I, I don't know what what they're called in this, but, but it was a 12-year-old kid, and I go on and on about who this kid is. He, a very precocious kid. Uh, English was not his first language.